Hey weirdos and welcome back to the pod. That's me waving to you. Hi, welcome back. Episode three. I'm doing the mom wave. <laughs> welcome back to the pod. Thanks so much for listening. Happy to have ya. Um, couple things that I want to get into before we get into the reg reg segs. That's regular segments, if you if you didn't know. Also, um, so sorry if there is any kind of humming noise in the background. It's a hundred degrees today. Okay, my computer, my laptop sounds like it's taking flight, and if that's not buzzing, then the AC is blasting because it's just so damn hot. It's also nine, no, eight forty-five p.m., and it's still sweltering levels of heat so there's just nothing that I can do about it there's nothing I can do about it so we're just gonna move on um first order of business um we're gonna have our first guest very soon um Matt who I spoke about in the last episode my new TikTok bud fellow neurodivergent creative guy is gonna be on very soon so you're gonna want to tune in for that Yep. Next is we're going to do a short, maybe not a short, because I tend to be verbose, long-winded, if you will, uh, but we're going to do a little Q&A on this one because I asked on Instagram and y'all delivered a few questions. Um, so I thought it'd be a good time for me to answer a couple questions. Y'all can get to know me a little bit because I know that you're dying to. Um, and then we can get to the regular segments. Sound good? Um, so if you, if you want to submit a question, please do. At the story sucks. The story sucks. If I, I wish sometimes that I didn't have mush mouth, but, you know, what can you do? Um, on Instagram. Send me a question. Send me your thoughts. Send me your wildest dreams. And maybe we'll talk about it. So first, first question here is from Matt. I got two questions from Matt. If you were a fish, what would you be? And I love this question. Thank you so much for asking, Matt. Um, I find sea creatures to be abhorrent. Um, disgusting, disturbing, foul if I'm being honest. I totally understand that they're a central critical part of our ecosystem and, um, you know, likely the entire animal kingdom would collapse if we didn't have fish. But um, they are truly disgusting to me. With that being said, I think I would be like an anglerfish or maybe like a pufferfish. Or perhaps a giant squid. Or maybe a shrimp. I think that's accurate. I do. I think each of those represent me in some fashion. <laughs> because I contain multitudes. You know what I'm saying? Um, shrimp, I think, is kind of obvious. I'm a small, a small human. Giant squid scary a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Y'all, y'all can be the judge of that. I don't know. Crazy. 
anglerfish and pufferfish, I just, that just feels right to me because I do think in the deep depths, the void of my soul, although I am a silly, goofy dork of a human being, I do think in the deepest crevices of my being lives the Babadook or something. You know what I mean? So, I think that's right. That feels right. Next question Um, if you were an ice cream, which flavor would you be? Not which is your favorite. Now, I love this question. Uh, it is tough. It's really tough because I do want to say, I don't know if this is cheating or not, but so here's the deal. When I used to live in Cuna, which is a small town in Idaho, shout out Cuna, said nobody ever. (laughs) I did Sorry, Cunaites. I didn't like living there. I hated it. I was miserable and very depressed. (laughs) Um, but, upside to that, well, it's not anymore because the place is closed. There was a yogurt shop, is what I'm trying to say. There was a yogurt shop that was in Cuna, okay? It's closed now, so you can't go there. So, that's one piece of joy that's been taken away from Cunaites. Um... What was I saying? <laughs> there was a yogurt shop there, okay? Um, and in that yogurt shop, there was a specific flavor, okay, of almond, like dairy-free almond cake batter yogurt. <laughs> the time that it took my brain to, like, send a little guy just running at full speed to, like, grasp each of those words and, like, form it into a sentence was astronomical. Um, it was so good. So fucking good. I think it was, like, truly, I think about it all the time. And now that place is closed and I've never been able to find the cake batter flavor anywhere else. So I'd probably be that. I think that sounds right. That sound, you know, that's got to be, like, analogous for my life somehow that like there's a delicious flavor but you can't get it anymore you know what I'm saying there's something there there's something poetic there maybe so that with maybe some like sprinkles is what I would be I think um next question comes from my good friend Soph Sophie thank you so much I thought this was a really sweet question uh what was your coming out story when did you realize you were into girls too? Oh, this is such a good question. And I think it also like does play into my neurodivergence quite a bit. Um, what was my coming out story? Okay, so to start, we'll start at the beginning and then we'll go back. Uh, wait, that's not right. That's not how you say that. We'll start at the end and we'll go back. <laughs> oh boy. Um, okay. I came out when I was like 30, 31. I think I said on the last pod, I just, I have zero concept of time at all. So I don't know. Don't quote me on that. 30 or 31 is when I actually came out as bisexual. Side note, real quick. We're an LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast. Okay. If you couldn't tell already by this question, I'm gay. All right. (laughs) So if you're not here for it, click off immediately because this podcast is not for you, okay? Um, it's like one of those things, 
my instinct is to be like oh it's cliche to say like I always knew that I was into women and like when I was younger into girls um but it's not is it because like I feel like that's one of those things there's a reason that everyone not everyone there's a reason that a lot of um LGBT folks have that same experience I think it's a shared true experience of being like oh I didn't accept that I was queer until later in my life but I always was that way of course you know I was born this way so um it's yeah it's one of those things where I can like look back on my childhood and be like gay (laughs) so gay um and some of my like earliest memories of that um were just like so my parents divorced when I was like pretty young I was like eight or nine um and even before that my dad always like called me a tomboy and stuff like that but after my parents divorced I essentially like through some of those really critical like formative years I was raised by men by my brother and my dad and so that like had quite an effect on me which yeah I think formed a lot of like who I still am today but also at that time I think it made me really comfortable with like expressing a much more masculine side of myself like I do think today now I present like pretty feminine most of the time um but maybe in my like fashion like my style um I do like to express myself kind of in a more masculine way I'm very attracted to like really masculine traits in myself and really feminine traits of myself and I also feel that about my sexuality like I'm really attracted to really like hyper masculine things sometimes and also really hyper feminine things sometimes and kind of everything in between but like I I there's something about each of those things that I just think is really beautiful and I've I've felt like that really my entire life like I remember I did, obviously didn't know it at the time, but, like, in, like, late elementary school through, and then throughout, like, middle school, actually, maybe even into high school a little bit, too, I started, like, wearing my brother's old clothes, um, because I desperately wanted to be a member of Blink-182, <laughs> like, so bad, Um, I was wearing, like, band t-shirts or, like, skate shirts, and then I had, like, I would wear his, like, khaki cargo pants. There's a parade of animals that just came into my office. Hey, guys! Um, and then I had, like, wristbands, like, spiky wristbands, and those, like, like, thick, like, like, metal ball chokers, um, like, yeah, sweatbands, high socks that came up, like, almost to my knees, and I had, uh, like, skate shoes and stuff like that, um, I, I was really into that style for a while, but anyway, the reason that I mentioned that is because it, like, through years of therapy and trying to unmask now, I was able to really, like, identify some of the reason that I was doing that. Some of it was just through, like, fun, like, gender expression, um, and style or whatever. That doesn't necessarily need to be, like, labeled as a certain gender. It was just, like, a fun, stylistic expression for me. Um, 
but it also was like because I wanted girls attention um I realized um and I didn't know how to like flirt or like I don't know present my way myself in a way that was like attractive to girls that were like in my class and stuff like that and being neurodivergent looking back on it now I was like so clearly like looking at boys in my class and being like not only am I like attracted to that expression but I want to kind of become a little bit of that because that's what other girls in my class are attracted to so if I kind of have traits of both of them then maybe I could get a boyfriend but maybe I could also get a girlfriend uh it's a yeah it was a little bit of a complex situation um so the answer to your question is when did I realize I was into girls too that when I came to accept it was when I put myself through college in my late 20s. When did I know that I was into girls? Probably always. Probably during that time is when I, like, came to realize it. Here's a funny story for you. <laughs> I've told this to a few people. So when I was, like, in my... I was probably, like, 19 or 20. And I had really, like... I You know, I had had crushes on girls in school and I definitely like watched movies here and there and and like was attracted like I felt some feelings you know but I just like couldn't parse it I couldn't like come to terms with what that feeling actually was um but I had my first like romantic experience with another woman when I was like 19 20 years old and I will save you the details, also out of respect for this person, but, um, we had, like, you know, a nice experience together. Thank you for the input. We had a good time, and then, oh my god, there's so much distracting noise right now. Cats are screaming. Dogs trying to attack the cat. There's, there's, there's reminders going off on my computer. It's an, it's an autistic nightmare. <laughs> Oh my god, okay, we did it. We we got it together. We got the dog wrangled. We got the cat sequestered. Holy shit. Hopefully no more interruptions. Let's just all take a deep breath together. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, where was I? Um, okay, yeah. So, um, there was like a party at her apartment, a bunch of people. A lot of my friends were around. They left. We spent the night together. My friends uh, asked me about what had happened, okay? This is how far in denial I was about it, okay? Because I truly at this time was like, you know, I've heard other, um, you know, women loving women say the same kind of thing, which is like, all women must feel this way, right? Like, I really thought that, like, every woman feels this way about other women, like, objectively, it, it, you know, women are beautiful, and everyone has fluttery <laughs> feelings in their tummy about other girls, <laughs> and so I just, like, I was so deep in that, that I was, like, if it, you know, everybody feels like that a little bit, right, and so then my friends asked me about, like, 
was there something going on there? Did something happen when you... And I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, we we slept together, but not like in a gay way, you know? And, and I, and I just like, I really believed that at that time too, that I was just like, what? Yeah, we did. We did, but I'm not gay, (laughs) you know? Um, and it's just crazy because that was like, I was like 20. Yeah, I was like 20 or so when I had that experience, and the sad part of that story is, like, I got so scared, like, I was so afraid of the reaction that I just, like, buried it so deep within myself that I was like, oh, no, this is going to absolutely change my entire life if this is just, like, a regular thing now that I feel this way. Uh, I can't tell anybody about it. I gotta hide this. I can't speak to this person ever again. I can't tell my family. I can't tell my friends. Like, I just felt so judged and, um, awful and disgusting. And it makes me really sad to look back on that and, like, think about, like, an actual connection that I was feeling with someone else and that I, you know was kind of made to feel that way and I know a lot of that also was like an internal thing probably also some neurodivergency that it was like you know I was assuming a lot about how other people would react before I ever gave them the chance to react to me so anyway um I'd say that point. Maybe when I was 20, I was like, there's no going back after this. I can't go back from that. Like, I know that there is something different about me in that way. Something, you know. Um, and then I just tried to ignore it. You know, I was like 20. So I didn't come in for another 10 years. I pretended like that didn't happen and lied to people about it and hid it, and just never, you know, shared that side of me until I was like, what a terrible way to live. (laughs) I think it also, like, took me, there's a lot of other stuff, and this is, like, I know that I've been rambling about this for a minute now, and we'll get on to some other things, but there is a lot about my life that I can look at and I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Because there was a lot of, like, traumatic shit that was going on in my life when I was, like, younger and even into my, like, teens and stuff like that. Um, just, like, divorce and addiction in my family and stuff like that and blah, 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 blah. Um, that took me years and years and years to unpack. So, like while I was just trying to work on unpacking, like, childhood trauma, I just didn't have the space to accept really who I was. So, I read somewhere that it takes, it often takes a person about a decade to really, like, unpack certain traumas. And that has been crazily extremely accurate for me is like I remember I started going to therapy when I was like 23 you know and my parents divorced when I was like nine 
and my dad got remarried when I was like 10 or 11 and parts of that were also like not a super healthy situation and so from like you know 13 to 23 I was kind of in this crazy weird limbo where I knew that I needed to go to therapy but like I was a teen and I didn't know how to do it by myself and stuff so that felt like kind of a decade of like reflection and figuring that part of my life out and then I started going to therapy when I was like 23 and then it took basically another 10 years for me to like accept some truths about myself which was that I'm neurodivergent and that I'm gay um all aside from you know other events of my life does that make sense I hope that makes sense that was probably a much longer explanation than was needed or necessary but I really like that question and I I think yeah I think it's really interesting the way that like we're all such complex people and like aspects of my neurodivergence are clearly very intertwined with like my sexuality and my self-expression and stuff like that and now that I have this diagnosis and I'm like unpacking it some parts of that are really uncomfortable and other parts like that that are kind of like a discovery more of a discovery of self are actually kind of euphoric in a way Um, and really validating that it's like I always knew that this person was inside but I just have been kind of waiting for the exact right circumstances to be able to like express that safely and so all of that is kind of hand in hand and I think that's quite beautiful actually I think it's quite pretty and beautiful Sorry for that terrible accent, but that was a lovely, nice, sweet question. Thank you so much. So the next section, what else did I want to talk about? It was just been a really good day today. Um, I know that no one asked, but this is my podcast and I get to tell you. It's just been a really good day today. Um, was really productive. I knew I wanted to record this episode of the pod today because I'm just in, like, a very positive, good headspace. Um, and so I was like, I gotta jump on this train before it leaves the station, you know? Um, yeah, good day. Was so productive. A new employee of mine uh, started and we just had, it's great, you know? so excited to have some some help around the office sometimes it's hard to like clock a nine to five and feel like you really did a lot of work and oftentimes i don't feel like i did a lot of work but today i did and then i still had the energy to go to the gym and fucking smash it i f- oh i fucking killed it at the gym today lads i really did i've been trying Here's another thing that you didn't ask for. I've been trying to, I started working out during the pandemic, like 2020, October-ish. I don't know, how do I remember that date and no other dates in my life? Uh, That's probably right. Somewhere around there. It was like later-ish into 2020 where 
I was like, dude, I gotta find a hobby or something or I'm gonna, like, <laughs> lose my mind. Um, so it's almost been, like, three years of me just, like, trying to work out, which has honestly been so good for my mental health and, like, neurodivergence because the way that my neurodivergence, like, expresses itself in a lot of ways, I've realized is, like, through me feeling, like, physically anxious in my body, like, feeling fluttering in my chest and, like, um, sweaty and just really uncomfortable and that kind of thing. I always just assumed that I had, like, some kind of panic disorder or, like, at the very least, general anxiety, which I knew that, but I was, like, there's just so much happening in my body, and I, now that I've been diagnosed, um, properly, I can see that, like, it was much more of an expression of, like, sensory overload, or, like, overstimulation, or something like that, and my body and brain were not communicating to each other very well, and so it didn't really know what to do with all this input, and so it just kind of expresses it in this very, like, physically erratic manner, if that makes sense. Um, and going to the gym, like, working out has actually been, like, so good for me. It's been really, like, my best mental health days are days that I just, like, crush it at the gym, because I just, I feel like I'm able to get that stagnant kinetic energy out and express it out something that I've also heard about some neurodivergent people and particularly in autistic people is some aggression that that can be a sign of autism is like sometimes kind of a short fuse I don't know that sounds extremely negative and I don't mean it to be and I definitely get do that I where I'm like I just feel rage in my body and I don't maybe totally understand what the trigger was for it or how to express it in a healthy way because I don't really find myself as like I'm not really a very angry person I don't think I express anger very often is that true I don't know someone one of my one of my besties will tell me if that's accurate or not um but the gym helps is what I'm trying to say you've probably heard that a million times that it's like go to the gym and it'll cure your mental health and that's not what I'm saying at all because I definitely even on days that I do go to the gym sometimes they're just shitty days and that's fine and that's okay um yeah days where I feel like especially days like this where several things like aligned where I was like I was productive at work and I went to the gym and I you know ate good food, like, fed my body what it needs, and I'm also, like, planning on having, like, a good chunk of just rest tonight. And also, this podcast, I think, is going to be really helpful for me because neurodivergence also sometimes can manifest in, like, a verbal way. Um, It definitely does for me, where I do like to process things out loud verbally, talk about stuff that I'm interested in or just like work stuff out it helps me to take it out of my physical body and just like express it out into the world you know if that makes sense 
anyway, what I was saying was, I went to the gym and I crushed it. What I mean, I, so, uh, 2020 is what I said. I started going to the gym in 2020. Stay focused. Stay focused and on path. <laughs> I started going to the gym in 2020. No, I didn't. I started working out in 2020. Um, just at home. And let me tell you, I've never been, like, a fit person ever in my life. Not ever before. Um, I was very, like, theater art kid when I was in high school. Um, and very emo, you know. So, I, w- I isolated myself a lot. Um, so, I didn't play any sports. I was very uncoordinated. I would rather, like, you know, sit in the corner and listen to some screamo or something so I say that because I've always wanted to like just have a better relationship with my body and health and feel strong too I've always been quite uh small tiny weak (laughs) um so I tried my I tried my hand at that in in 2020 I was like here's what we're gonna do because I know I've you know I've tried like I would sporadically be like I'm gonna go on a hike and now I'm healthy I went on a single hike and now I'm the pinnacle of health um and so I was like okay I if I'm gonna do this for real and like form a lifelong habit then what I need to do is like work up to it you know what I mean I need to like build a system that's uh, attainable for me and sustainable for me. And so I started in the pandemic just, like, uh, watching YouTube, like, yoga YouTube videos, and then I would just do that, you know, like, a beginner's version of that. And then I, um, bought some, like, very light weights, you know, literally, like, five-pound weights and would just kind of, like, move move those around do do some little curls or whatever here and there and just was really tried to be really slow and patient because lord knows all we had was time during during that moment in history um so I just tried to be patient with myself and say like okay once I feel like I really have a grasp on moving my body in this way then maybe I can like push myself a little bit farther and so now, fast forward three years later, I am so proud of myself that I've stuck with it and I just feel, I just feel good. I just had a good body day today where I, you know, I'm, I, I hit a new curl max today. I'm curling 25 pounds now, you guys. <laughs> oh. Um, it took me so long to just, like, work up to, like, 20, and then when I got to 20, I was stuck there for, it feels like truly a year, um, and I've been, like, scared, because my arms, my arms have always been so weak, they've been so weak, and that's been one of the hardest, like, parts of my body to actually, like, build true muscle in, and I still sometimes am, like, I feel like my, my arms are so skinny scrawny. um, but I was just real proud of myself today. I didn't know. I had no... When I walked in, walked into the gym today, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to curl this. Because I was like, if I go from 20... I've been doing 20 for so long. I know that that is comfortable. 
I can do like 10 reps of that. But I felt like I may, I was like, maybe I just need to go to the like 22 and a half. But that, that dumbbell doesn't exist in my gym. Okay. And so I was like, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to walk over there and I'm just going to, I'm going to, and I did uh, grab the 25. I couldn't do a lot. <laughs> I couldn't do many reps of it, but I did, you know, I tried to do like four sets of like five and I did that. So I'm really proud of myself for doing that. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's been a really good expression, like way to express, um, some of those body, the, the, the feelings that you get in your body as a neurodivergent person, express some of those emotions and feeling like I'm more kind of in touch, in tune with my body, um, has really been super helpful for me as well. So anyway, I don't know if that's helpful for anybody, but I just, uh, I just wanted to be proud of myself for a second, and I shouldn't apologize for that. Let's get into some segments. Hold on just a second. I'm going to see what time we're at. How much time? I'm not wearing my glasses. Where's my... 36, almost 36 minutes right now. Let's get into sensory nightmare of the week so this week it's still been hot what do you know hey hey guys it's been hot still so the issue this week is that i i bought some noise canceling headphones recently and i love them i don't know if i already talked about this yet but you can go on amazon and buy some like noise canceling headphones some like pretty decent ones for like 40 bucks or less you know I went the other day when I was um trying to find a cable I think for this microphone I saw some like noise canceling ones for like 15 bucks I think but I think I bought these on Amazon for maybe like 40 dollars I know that I shouldn't buy from Amazon I'm sorry but um, it was like 40 bucks on Amazon. And so I love them and I've been wearing them all the time. It's been really helping me with like sensory issues. Um, however, when it's 100 degrees outside, um, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I just imagine, have you, um, <laughs> do you guys ever watch Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> I feel like that's a phrase that he says a lot. Does anybody else have, do you watch Kitchen Nightmares or what's the other show that he has? Uh, Top Chef? Is that what it's called? I don't know. I do like Gordon Ramsay though. Anyway, let me tell you, um, it's difficult because noise canceling headphones have the like squishy on the ear that goes all the way over your ear as headphones do, but it's like insulated and so when you try to go outside or you try to go to the gym and you're working out in headphones like that I've never had my ears sweat in my life but I was dripping sweat down my ears down my neck and it was disgusting it was horrible (laughs) but there wasn't anything I could do I just had to like take a paper towel from the gym and just like dab myself off and I was like ugh. now I just feel like sticky 
Same way, same thing with my uh, glasses. My gl- I already have. I don't think I talked about this, but I I already have like a sensory thing with my glasses. Um, someone said on TikTok, it was like right after I was diagnosed, I saw someone um, say, I wish I could remember what her name was on TikTok, but she said how, one of the ways that she knows that she's like overstimulated and she needs to like try to self-regulate was that she'll suddenly become aware of things that are on her body. And that tip has helped me so much because I was like, I realized something, I've known this about myself for a while that like I fidget with my glasses on my face a lot. Like I wear glasses all the time, 24-7. I don't, I don't wear contacts. Um, not for any particular reason. I did, that's just my thing. Um, but, but when I'm in a meeting or especially when I'm around a lot of people and a lot of talking and stuff, I suddenly, like when I'm alone, I would notice that I don't, I'm not touching my glasses. I, I don't even notice them. But then suddenly when there was all this sensory input, then I'm fidgeting with them every two seconds and they just like, it feels like they're not sitting on my face, quote unquote, correctly, you know? And so I'd just be sitting there like, like messing with them. And I could, it was, it would, it increasingly became more uncomfortable and upsetting for me because I just felt like I couldn't get them to like sit right on my face. I still have that. That's, so that's still an issue. Um, but add the fact that it's a hundred degrees outside and now just having glasses on my face, they're just sweaty. My, the brim of my nose is sweaty. My temples are sweaty. My hair is sweaty after going to the gym and stuff. And so then they're like slip sliding around my face and it just like adds another layer of like, (sighs) sensory nightmare. (laughs) So I don't know what to do about that. I don't think there is anything that I can do about that. I'm just going to have to put up with it until it stops being so goddamn hot. So that's that. Um, okay. There's another bit that I wrote down about I'm having I'm having issues with trying to identify how I feel a lot. But this is kind of a big one, and I may save that for another podcast. <laughs> um, because it's just like, it's kind of an, it's kind of an in-depth thing that I really want to spend a chunk of time getting into. Like, do others feel like this? Where you're like, I've got some feelings in my body, and I just, like, I feel bad, and I don't know why, and maybe my body's feeling kind of tingly, and I'm feeling that anxious feeling, but I don't really know why I'm feeling like that, and then I end up getting really frustrated, like, with my brain and body, like, not communicating with each other, and sometimes it ends up taking me, like, a long time to just go down a list of like any possible thing that could be wrong with me. Anyway, let's save that for another one because I think that that um, is like a beefy segment that we should get into. Change is hard. In my notes, I have written blah blah blah. I don't want to better myself this week. (laughs) 
So what I found, I'm going to go through this like pretty quick. I found this on TikTok. The account is at Enlightened Books. And they had something about unmasking and questions to ask yourself about this. And I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people, including myself, to go through these questions and like really answer them. So, hey, this is our first activity that we can do together. However, I just want to say this because on the last two episodes, there was a lot of stuff that I was talking about that was like, I think when I was going back and editing them, I realized that I was like, oh, this is something that I need to fix about myself. And I'd also like to fix that and this other thing. And just listening to it, I started getting kind of overwhelmed with myself that I'm realizing that's kind of a problem that I have is that I am a little bit obsessed with perfection. And I think I said this on another episode Like, there's nothing wrong with self-improvement. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. It was like a light switch came on. Is that the phrase? Is it light bulb came on? I flicked a switch in my brain and a light bulb came on. How about that? Um, Where I was like, oh, I really am kind of addicted to like, oh, this is wrong with me. And this is how I'm going to change it. Here's this other thing. Like, I just... Sometimes I think I just need to chill the fuck out a little bit and say I'm not perfect, you know? If there's like one theme that I could say that I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately and working on is pushing some other shit to the side for just for now. And saying, I'm going to get to all that self-improvement that I want to because I know that I'm the type of person that's always going to be working towards becoming a better version of myself every day. So I'm going to get it. I'm probably going to get to it next week or whatever. But right now, this week, if I'm overwhelmed with self-improvement and I don't want to do it, that's okay. And maybe some people are listening to that and they're like, duh, you know? But for those of us maybe neurodivergent individuals who are maybe like me and kind of are obsessed with like this self-improvement track that you're constantly on. I want to give you permission to just pick that up and put it to the side and say if you have a week where you're just like I just don't need to do anything this week. I don't have to every single day of my goddamn life. Um be trying to make myself into something else. You don't have to work on becoming someone else, I think is maybe what I want to say to myself. You know, I'm trying to work on that self-acceptance, baby. I'm trying to work on that. Yeah, I've been thinking about that quite a lot. It's just like, if something pops up in my brain or as I'm speaking or I don't know, Something comes up in conversation or when I'm recording this podcast or whatever and it just doesn't feel, it feels a little cringy to me because it's not perfect or I'm thinking too much on the way it's going to be perceived by others. I've been really focusing on trying to push through that and say, number one, you're your harshest critic and the thing that you just cringed at, probably nobody else is going to even care about at all. 
so just push through it you know what I mean and and then give yourself some space sometimes I need space from whatever that thing was that I'm kind of being obsessive about um right now in this moment if I'm being honest with you the way that I said god damn a second ago for whatever reason my brain is like that was cringy I don't I couldn't tell you why but nobody else probably noticed that but then but my brain was like what my brain instinctively wanted to do was it was like ew that sounded weird that sounded gross I don't like how you said that go stop the recording and then re-record everything that you just said because that one thing was cringy and I just don't want to do that all the time you know what I mean I just don't need to what would that accomplish me doing that if somebody cringed because of the way that I said that one thing, then, uh, okay, great. That's their problem. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm just trying to, trying to work on that. So, the segment actually is, I think, I'm, <laughs> I'm just realizing now that maybe I'm just hyperactive today. That's what it is. I'm feeling hyperactive, and tomorrow I'm probably going to crash or something, because I feel like I'm talking a million miles a minute maybe that's something else that we could talk about the roller coaster that is extreme motivation and feeling really good and then crashing and having really low lows something to think about okay these questions if you are in a place where you've recently been diagnosed or maybe not these might just be good questions to ask yourself period but they are particularly geared towards they are focused towards neurodivergent folks who who did I say folks twice doesn't matter um who are trying to unmask okay so I'm gonna rip through these questions (sighs) are we ready I'm not ready I'm ready okay number one what deep hurt are you still reeling from Okay, number two. (laughs) What did you not receive as a child and do you still want it? Can you try and give it, give it to yourself? Close your eyes. See, this is a separate thing. Some of these were multi-parters because, uh, because I wanted them to be and I thought that there was a little bit more to it. So I know this is like actually more than one question, but it all goes together, okay? What did you not receive as a child and do you still want it? Can you try and give it to yourself? Here's an activity that you can do. Close your eyes and see yourself as a child. Tell that child what you needed to hear. Okay? And if you aren't if you're not ready for this activity right now, I'm giving you permission to write it down, put it to the side, and come back to it later. All right? Cuz that's what I'm going to do. I'm not doing this shit right now. Number three, point three. What do you wish others knew about you? What would that kind of intimacy feel like? Can you give yourself permission to reveal just one small thing about yourself this week? That one hits hard. That one hits hard. That's one that I'm like, I've consistently felt throughout my life that I always felt like people didn't really know me or understand me and I just so deeply wanted intimacy platonically you know 
with my family and friends and stuff like that. So there you go. That's something you could do. <clears throat> and the last one. Do you feel like you have a massive secret you've been hiding your whole life? What a question. <laughs> I think that I don't think that they phrased it that way on the t on the on the TikTok. But that's how I phrased it because I'm extra like that. Um, what would happen if you told someone that secret? What would it feel like to not have to carry that anymore? Huh? Think about it. Think about it. Next segment. Hyperfixation of the week. In another episode, we're going to get into routines because um, I have them. And when I originally was was diagnosed routines rigid routines are often something that is pretty common in neurodiversity <laughs> you know what i'm saying um and i was like i don't have that i don't follow strict routines bitch yes you do yeah yelp you do <laughs> so we'll talk about that in more detail in another episode but for this week um <laughs> I'm so funny. I think I'm so funny, guys. The notes that I wrote to myself was like, I thought it didn't have routines. Lol, what a joke. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm just going to give you two funny little quick ones. Um, I've been listening to that song, Blame Brett, by The Beaches, if you haven't heard that. It's so good! They're a Canadian band, and they just, they just are so good on repeat and then i'm not gonna i hey i'm not taking questions on this one mm, not gonna explain it the mortal Kombat theme on repeat sometimes at two o'clock in the morning in my bedroom next quirky silly little things that made me angry for no apparent reason wow i wrote a paragraph oh my god <laughs> I was in a mood when I wrote these. I really was. I remember writing some of these. And I at the at the time that I wrote these, like, a day or two ago, I was in that headspace of, like, I just, I'm just tired of evaluating everything that's wrong with me. Um, so this is just talking about that, which we already talked about. It was just, like, saying all this stuff out loud has been really enlightening, but also kind of fucking maddening what I say, like, I'm only, I'm realizing only now that I have a filing cabinet, being this podcast, to place all of my quirks and things I'm working on, that holy shit is, the weight of that, the weight of seeking improvement, heavy. <laughs> yep. Why am I expecting myself to it honestly makes me jealous and mad that neurotypical people walk around without that every day and I know that's not fair I'm not actually mad at them just feeling a smidge resentful at my own neurotype sometimes I guess so true bestie <laughs> so true <laughs> uh, I, I've in saying that that's something that my roommate would say all the time so true bestie and he also says one that I love that um, he doesn't know this, but if he's listening, he's going to know. One that is so satisfying is like um, 
I'm trying to think of a good context for it, but it's the word saws. So if it was like, you know, I don't know. I think he's an idiot. Saws. Saws about it. That's a good one. You can use that in your own life. Uh, <laughs> are you good? Are you okay? She's having a cough attack. When you have a Boston Terrier, they just, they just be making noises, little piggy noises all the time. All right. What's she anxious about now? Demand avoidance. This is from a couple days ago. Uh, so let me read this. I'm just reading to you now on the podcast. Demand avoidance. I have a new employee starting tomorrow and I want to spend my time chilling with him and getting him up to speed, but I also have demands of my own job that I have to attend to and that's dumb. And look at, look at us now. We're fine. We did, hey, we did it all. And that's on neurodivergence. Oh my gosh, really, I was just in a mood where I was just writing and writing and writing and writing. Um, something that I do, I'll touch on this a little bit. Um, something, demand avoidance is, ugh, it's a thing. I, and that, this is another one where I was like, I don't think I have that. And then I thought about it for 0.5 more, more seconds, more seconds (laughs) or more longer seconds, 0.5. Um, and, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, I do, I do actually do that, which is like, when it feels like I have demands coming from a bunch of people, um, I feel like I'm letting down a lot of people at once and that's what sends me into a crash. Oh my God, stop. You're fine. Yeah. So it's like, how do I explain this? It's like, it's like. I'm overwhelmed at work and so my boss is going to be mad at me or I'm letting them down by not like, I don't know, living up to my full potential at work. And then in turn, I'm letting down my employees. And then in turn, I'm, you know, I'm overwhelmed at work so then that means I'm behind on like, I don't know, preparing, giving myself space to mentally prepare for like the social things that I really actually want to be spending most of my time doing. So my brain kind of snowballs and then suddenly I'm letting down, you know, my boss and my employees and my friends and my dad and then I don't want to do anything. That's where it turns into demand avoidance for me is when I'm like, oh, I feel like I suddenly have all this demand coming from a bunch of areas and I enjoy all of those individual areas it's not that it's a negative thing it's it's an internal thing where I'm like I feel like I can't live up to everything that I need to do this week and so everything's gonna come crashing down and then I'm gonna immediately go into a shutdown where I just literally want to lay in my bed and pull the covers over my head and do nothing Um, and it's, again, it's not coming from anybody else. Literally no one has told me, Trisha, you're letting us down, but that's what my brain is telling itself, you know? And so I don't totally know how to get over that yet. I think probably the answer is like just communicating more to people. I wrote some, oh, here it is. It's at the bottom of this note. Remember that people will give you grace if you just ask for it. 
And then, for some fucking stupid reason, I said, even if your parents didn't, babe, to myself. Why did you need to say that? <laughs> I'll unpack that in therapy tomorrow. Sick. Um, yeah, so it's like, yeah, remembering that, like, people around you will give you grace. I think I just need, yeah, I need to do that a little bit. Um... Which I'll work on eventually is like, uh, you know, just, just, just telling the people around me, especially at work, I could do a better job of that. Of just being like, hey dude, I'm just behind a little bit and that's okay and that happens all the time and no one's going to be mad at me if I'm a little bit behind. It's chill. It's fine. Um, we're already pretty much at time here folks but let me just scroll through these last little thingies Ooh, i saw this other thing uh, about like uh the fear of rejection and she i don't think this creator ahime aura and on tiktok um she had some really insightful things to say I don't know that she was specifically talking to neurodivergent people, but it rang true as a very neurodivergent thing about, like, rejection, fear, rejection anxiety, which I think is a big thing for a lot of neurodivergent folks. I think I'd like to talk about that in another one. Uh, shit that was just too loud this week. People doing yard work at 7 a.m. I got people that do my lawn. Um, and they just, I know why, because it's a hundred degrees outside and I let the, where I live, um, I like pay for that service. Like I pay as part of my HOA so that people will like take care of my lawn for me. And it's a small little lawn. So they just come and like, zoop, zoop, uh, do a little trim. That's the sound. That is the sound it makes. Um, and it's so loud. And they do it at like 7 o'clock in the morning because they don't want to get stuck out in the 100 degree heat. And that makes sense. But it's really frustrating and annoying for someone who stays up sometimes till 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning when their brain isn't cooperating with them and staying on a routine. I haven't had that bad of like a sleep issue in quite a while. But the last like two weeks... I, I was so good for a while sticking to my routine, like quite a while, where I would go to sleep at like 11 or 12, maybe one at the latest, um, but that was only days that I knew that I could sleep in, just a smidge. But the last like two weeks, I don't know what happened, but all of my, my, my entire sleep schedule flew out the window. And there were a couple days, oh, it was the anxiety. Yeah, that's what it was. And so I was staying up till like four o'clock in the morning and it was awful, but hey, I, that, that, I, you know, there were a couple days where I was working on this podcast during that time. So at least I had something to work on. Um, socially problematic. I am realizing now that I also am not great at understanding social cues without context. I just come to a conclusion that's just not there a lot of the time. 
that hasn't been a super big issue, but I don't know. If somebody wants to chat some more about that or maybe has more experience with that than I do, I think we could talk about that as a segment. Uh, I think I talked in the last episode about, like, yeah, the ability to evaluate people. I think I do have that, that I can usually kind of intuit what people's body, like, body language and expressions and stuff are telling me. But I do have a really hard time over text, um, like, messages and stuff like that. Um, sometimes I'll get myself worked up because I... I feel like someone's angry at me and they're not, uh, or something, you know, something like that. There's a lot of, I just need, I just need lots of context. I I find that's an issue like at work as well. Um, sometimes it's really hard for me to like understand the context of an email or something like that. So what can you do about that one? I don't know. Oh, I think I, I, This is the more interesting piece of that puzzle, which is, um, I don't have a barometer for when people like me. I think that's the original thing that I wanted to say with this because the rest of it feels kind of vague in my own notes. (laughs) So shame on you for that, Trisha. Take better notes. Um, yeah, I think the funnier part of this, the more interesting part to me right now is that I just, like, I don't, I don't know when people like me. Unless they say that they like me. If someone, literally in my notes I wrote, unless someone says, I like you, you are really cool. In my mind, they're totally on the fence about it. And that is so true. Like, if I'm, if I meet a new person or, like, even my, like, work relationships, I have no idea. I have no gauge for when people enjoy my presence. (laughs) Which has been really, really hard for me to uh, just make friends and stuff like that, too. Because I find that I just don't pick up on that cue for so long. And then people, what I'll usually get is, like, either I can clearly tell that that person doesn't like me. And I'm like, okay, sick. And I can move on with my life. Or I get the other thing that's, like, someone will have to come up to you. Oh, my God. Will have to come up to me. And they'll be like hey, I've been trying to, like, invite you to this thing, like, you know, do you not like me or something? I thought, it seems like we get along really well and you just, like, um, you know, (laughs) don't seem like you want to hang out with me. Do you not want to hang out with me? And then I'll be like, no, you seem really, you seem awesome. You seem really cool. I didn't think that you liked me at all. And they're like, I don't know what you mean, Trisha, because I've been inviting you to a bunch of things oh we we were laughing our heads off every time that we're by the water cooler I'm not really picking up what you're putting down what are you not getting and then all of a sudden it all just like clicks in my brain like a beautiful mind and then I'm like oh yeah I guess that does all those social cues do add up to somebody thinking that you're okay so I just wish that people (laughs) hey People, if you like me, just say that, you know, just say so and it would just be easier. It'd be easier for me. You don't have to do that. I'll figure, I'll figure that one out at some point, maybe. All right. Uh, I've been blazing through these last couple things because I think I'm like a little bit over the time. Hey, there's no, there's no time. There's no limit to this. I sounded kind of like Spongebob just then. So this revelation of the week is 
it has to do with this I, I keep getting recommended this book called the artist way by like multiple people and it's all over tiktok tiktok knows that i'm a creative and so it's like you would benefit from reading this book and i know that i would i know that it would just like heal a part of my soul so deeply but i just can't I can't be opening up that can of worms right now. I just know I emotionally can, I'm not in the right headspace for it. But at some point, I'll, I'll get into it because essentially it's like, as I understand it, it's talking about like, for creatives, like art is not just something that you do. It's not necessarily a totally external thing that you create and you're like, Oh, I painted a picture, and then it, it lives on the wall now. It's like art lives in your bones. Um, so for creatives, it is like painful for you to not express yourself in the way that you want. And clearly that's like so deeply linked with um, neurodivergency in my mind, which is like for those of us, for neurodivergence, it often feels like you're hiding a lot of yourself all the time and that's really painful and for those of us who are neurodivergent and creative it's like a double whammy you know what I'm saying it's like you as a person as an individual feel like you're too much so you're gonna mask that but then you're also like I understand that it's not realistic for me to want to do creative stuff all the time 24 7 every day even though that's what brings my brain joy um one of the only things that sometimes seems to bring me joy is doing creative stuff no matter what that is um but I have to push that to the side because we live in a fucking capitalist society which I you know I talked about this a little bit before and you just have to work to make money and to live and to do all that um so then we get stuck in this cycle of like feeling like you're selfish for just wanting to like express yourself creatively and it's like yeah you're just you're not selfish this is a fundamental part of who you are you know and I I don't fully understand the whole thing because I haven't fucking read the book yet but I will I'll get to it um here's what I said um you're not selfish or attention seeking you're just creative kind of true but kind of not um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, Trisha, that seems kind of obvious. Some, some parts of that are kind of true. You can still be selfish and attention-seeking. Um, but I do believe that art is a catalyst for social movements and change. So I think... So, nope. So think about that the next time you feel selfish or wanting to focus most of your energy into creative pursuits. Yeah. That's the other thing is, like, uh, for neurodivergent people some neurodivergent people a tr uh, one of the like labeled traits of neurodivergency there's gotta be a shorter word so that I can stop tripping up on it this much um anyway <laughs> um one of those pillars if you want to say that is um a strong sense of justice so it just feels you know I this is one of those ones that I don't have the answer to yet. And again, if I just read the book, then I'd probably have it more figured out. But it's like, think about that. 
a person who's been masking their entire life, just masking their personality and their traits because they feel like that's, it won't work for society. Then you're a creative person and you're like, I can't spend as much time of my day doing that as I want to. So I'm just going to push that to the side. And then on top of that, you're like, oh, I have this strong sense for justice which, if you think about it, a lot of key po- points of history, art is really something that pushes forward as a society. You know what I'm saying? So, whew, that's a lot for people who find themselves under that trifecta. You know what I mean? I don't have the answer to that. I don't know what to do with that. But if you can, if you find yourself in some of those situations, if you're like, I identify with one or three of those things be kind to yourself and just, you know, try to find some sort of way to release that creativity. Or, you know, I don't know, be like me and go to the gym and just like put on your gym bro persona for a little bit and bang out a few reps. That's not a good answer. I'm sorry. Paint a picture. Get into the D like I did, you know, write some stories, paint some miniatures. Uh, do a puzzle. <laughs> I'm sorry, this isn't helpful. I don't have the answer. I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't have the answer. Just think about it. And I love ya. And that's all the time we've got. See you next week, babies! Bye!